Well, good morning, Third Street. How y'all feeling? Bless. Y'all feeling okay? There we go. There we go. I know Dish is with me. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I hope to catch you up soon. This morning, um, this morning is a really big deal. Some of you found that out when you woke up this morning and you realized God put breath in your lungs, so that means he has a purpose for you today. Some of you realized that when you woke up this morning after a week of meditating of all Jesus went through to make a day like today possible. Others of you realized that when you walked in these doors this morning, And you were like, oh, shoot, pastor wore a tie. Thank you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. It's a big deal. The resurrection is a really big deal. And I'm going to tell you why up front. Because it took a lot for us to get here this morning. It took a lot. I'm not just talking about those of us who, 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 who got kids ready this morning and got them here looking a little extra good. I'm not, talking about, I'm not talking about the drive here. I'm not talking about the fact that some of us haven't had power for weeks at a time because, you know, winds and stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm, I'm not talking about just that. I'm also talking about all that we went through this year. From, from one resurrection day to another. All that it took for us to still be sitting here for us to still be standing here, for us to still have a little bit of strength left to lift our hands and praise a little bit, it's been a heck of a year. I know I'm not the only one that feels that. Not only that, but all that it took in our lives for us to be sitting at this point. You might be sitting here this morning and things haven't gone your way for a really long time. Maybe there's really never a season of your life that it feels like things have have rolled your way, that you've always been against the odds or against whatever is happening around you. Maybe that's you this morning. And if so, then I need you most especially to know that the resurrection is a really big deal. Because in the midst of everything, in the midst of all that we've been through, in the midst of all that we will go through, in the midst of all that we carried in here this morning, there is hope. This morning, I would like to direct our attention to the gospel. The gospel of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament. We're going to go all the way to the last chapter. We're going to begin with the end in mind. We're going to start... Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1, we're going to read a little bit, and then we're going to skip a little bit, and we're going to read a little bit more. Is that okay with you all this morning? Yes, sir. I wasn't sure. I didn't ask like I normally do. Is it okay if we get into the Word this morning? Yes, sir. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that you weren't here to sing real pretty, and then you were going to slide. I just want to make sure it was okay that we got into the Word. This is the Gospel of Matthew. This is chapter 28. We're starting in verse 1. We're going to read a little bit, and it says it this way. Matthew records it this way. He says, After the Sabbath, uh-huh. 
As the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The the guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Can I direct your attention to that next phrase? It says he is not here. He's not in this tomb. He's not where the world left him. He's not in what was supposed to be his permanent resting place. He said he's not here. Why? For he has risen. He's risen. He got up just as he said he would. Come and see. That invitation sound familiar? Come and see the place where he laid. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He is risen from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there. Listen, I've told you so. So departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, they ran to tell his disciples the news. And just then, Jesus met them and said greetings. They came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. And Jesus told them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee. They will see me there. Now we're going to drop down just a little bit to verse 16. We're going to fast forward in the story to where the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee. He said he's going to be in Galilee. Bet. Let's go. They get there to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped. But some of them, some of them doubted. Jesus came near and he said to them, go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I hope it's fresh in your mind. I hope it's fresh in your mind all that had to happen for you to get to this point today. I hope it's fresh in your mind all of the ways we were uncertain that you would even be able to sit here on a day like today. And if it's not fresh in your mind, let me invite you to reflect back on when it was, maybe the first time, maybe the most recent time that life hit you in the face. Where you realize, oh, this ain't what I thought it was. This is not going how I thought it would go. You had this vision in mind. You had this thing in place and you were making moves towards it. And then you got there and something crazy that you did not expect smacks you. And now all of a sudden you're a little bit discouraged. You're a little sad. You weren't expecting to have to mourn. You were expecting to celebrate. But then it happened. 
Then you start to look around and you realize that all these pretty colors you were seeing on the way are a little gray now. I hope it's fresh in your mind. All that you've been through, all that you are going through. And I want you to know that God sees it all. God sees it. And not only does he see it, but as we meditated through this week, we realize that he's been through it all. It's not a thing under the sun that he didn't face in his earthly life. And this morning, if we are to take anything away from the idea, the concept, and the truth, the historical happening of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is that we have reason to hope. If you hear nothing else that I say this morning, I hope that you hear me say that you, yes, even you, have reason to hope. Those of you who have been here for a minute, you know me well enough to know that I'm going to give you three reasons. There's a lot of reasons. But as we read the story of the resurrection this morning, I just think that I have enough time to tell you three of them. So we pick up our reading in Matthew 28. The women are on their way to the tomb. Other gospel accounts tell us that they were going to take spices. They were going to cover up the stench of death. That's what they were on their way to do, right? They were on their way because at this point, about three days had passed and you know, they didn't have the processes for dead bodies that we have today. And so they went to begin to cover up the smell who all, for all who may visit the tomb. They're on their way to cover up the smell of death. I imagine, I don't know this, but I, I imagine that as they get closer and closer to the tomb, as they're walking, the weight of all that had transpired is hitting them all over again. I have to imagine that this morning, even as I'm speaking, you want me to stop already because the weight of all that has happened is hitting you all over again. Yes. As they approach the tomb, the weight of what they saw Jesus go through, the cross that he would carry while he bled out in the streets, the mocking, the sound of those who doubted, scorning him, cursing him, making fun of him is now fresh again in their ears. And I believe that they probably had to wonder, look what they did to Jesus. I wonder what they'll do to me. Jesus being as kind as he was, as generous as he was, as giving as he was. Y'all don't remember when he healed the blind. Y'all don't remember when he got the lame man up. Y'all don't remember when he took care of the sick. Y'all don't remember when he, when he fed all those people that he didn't have to feed. He had no obligation to do all that, but he did all that. And if you're going to go ahead and cancel him, I mean, crucify him, imagine what you would do to me. The weight is hitting them. And as they get closer to the tomb, suddenly something wild and unexpected happens. 
something so crazy, an interruption, a disturbance so significant that the very foundation of the earth changed. It shook. It separated. It wasn't enough room to stay together and make room for the interruption. So it had to shake. The stone that no man by himself could possibly move. Did you hear me say that? Your struggles you cannot move by yourself. The stone that no man could possibly roll away was rolled away and sitting proudly, gloriously on top of it, bright and on fire like lightning, was an angel. The guards that were there to make sure that this grave didn't get robbed so that, you know, these wild disciples could continue their wild narrative dropped to the ground. Said they were like dead men. They were very much alive. They were very much aware of what was happening. But it was so crazy. It was so unexpected. It was so significant that it says they were like paralyzed. Have you ever been so afraid that you're like, I can't even stand to move? Have you ever been so hopeless that you felt tears roll down your eyes but did not have the strength or the courage to even so much as reach up and wipe them off of your own face? Fear wrecks the guards at the tomb. Meanwhile, the angel looks at the women who came to see Jesus and he says, don't be afraid. (laughs) Excuse me. You see my guys over here. You see how they all like trained and stuff to be like warriors, to go to war, to like do some strong stuff. And they're on the ground scared. But you want me to not be afraid. Oh, okay, okay, sure. He says, no, you don't have to be afraid. Them, ah, I don't know. But you, you don't have to be afraid. Why? Why me? Why don't I have to be afraid? What's the angel say? You don't have to be afraid because, because I know that you are looking for Jesus. These men are guarding against the conspiracy, but you, you are looking for Jesus. This is where this is where when you get into the original text and you become a super nerd and you like look all this stuff up about scripture. This is where it gets super interesting because the word to look for is like super, super like weak and lame in the English language when it more closely resembles the idea of like a deep, desperate searching. They're seeking. They're they have a desire, a deep desire. They require Jesus. They are looking not with like, not like the way that my kids look when I tell them to find their shoes. I'm talking about they're looking as if I'm about to get to the bottom of this. When you seek that desperately, the angel says plainly, you have no reason to be afraid because that, that is your posture You have no reason to be afraid. Seek first the kingdom of God. You have no reason to be afraid. But we're driven by fear all the time, aren't we? We're driven by fear 
all the time. I know you want me to stop. I know you want me to wrap this thing up because I'm, start, I'm, I'm starting to get too personal. Can I tell you something? I haven't even really got there yet. Listen, I know you're driven by fear. I'm driven by fear. And what happens when something, when something unexpected comes up is we're driven to contemplate our own circumstance. When things around us escalate, our natural response is to fear for ourselves. Some people are ready to throw once. Some people are ready to test out sport mode. Some people drop to the ground for fear. But we're afraid and we immediately begin to think, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to me? What happens when that reaches me? What happens when the people around me find out? What happens when everybody knows how much will I lose? How much will I have to let go of? How much will be taken from me? You see what they did to Jesus. Do you know what they would do to me? Oftentimes then, our fear drives us to want to go cover up the stench. We want to take spices and flowers. We want to dress it up. We want to, we want to make it look better. No, 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 no. It's not even like that. It's not even like that. You see, look over there. We want to cover it up. Listen, I've been, I've been in this gym right here way too long to not know that when you get crossed up and broke in front of everybody, you're going to start making excuses. Nah, man, that was the floor, bro. This raggedy brand new floor got me. It's the shoes. You know, I'm just breaking them in. The real ones just take it. But we all got moments of wanting to cover it up. We want to cover up the stench of our dead situations. This morning, the first reason that I want to share with you that we have to have hope is because the angel makes it clear what Jesus had said many times before this, that there is no fear in the Lord. I'm not talking about no fear of the Lord, Jeremy. That's something different. That's something different. I'm talking about no fear in the Lord, meaning when we walk with the Lord, when we are seeking Jesus, when we desire him, when we recognize that we require him, there is no reason to fear because those who seek Jesus should have no fear. That's made plain right here. Jesus says it multiple times. He tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, consider the birds of the sky. Don't I always feed them? It's not like they got you as a caretaker. It's not like they actually need your bird feeders. I take care of them. You do that for you. I take care of the birds. And aren't you so much more valuable to me than birds? Jesus says right after that, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble for their own. When we're in the midst of getting caught up, we're in the midst of, of, of the struggle. 
of darkness, of our dead situations. But we are seeking, searching for, desiring, requiring Jesus and not just our own self-preservation. He says, all that you need will be added to you. You have no reason to fear. I think of when, they, when the disciples were in the storm and they were like, dang, Jesus is sleeping in a boat. I really don't know if we're going to make it through this. This dude over here is sleeping and we're out here fighting for our lives. Well, can I just tell you something real quick for free? Whatever Jesus's posture is in a situation, that just ought to be yours in that situation. Because they go in panic mode and wake Jesus up. And what does Jesus say? He's like, you of little faith. You're tripping. They're like, no, you don't see these waves. He's like, man, hey, tell these waves peace. Tell these waves be still. I think of, I think of the last supper, the last moments that Jesus was with the disciples and he's telling them, I ain't going to be here much longer. You're not going to have me like this in the flesh all this time like that. And, 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 and they're like, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And Jesus is like, don't even worry about it. Because I have overcome the world. Let me ask you, church, what are you so afraid of? What are you so afraid of? What are you most worried about losing? What is it, church, that you are trying to hide? What dead situation do you need to be ready to give over to God? Because the Lord has promised those who seek first his son, those who seek first the kingdom, don't need to worry about the repercussions of what happens when your worst fear is realized. As the women search for Jesus, the angel lets them in on the fact he's not here. I don't know about you, maybe it's the fact that I have too many kids, but... I can't help but hear that in Rafiki's voice. Ha <laughs> ha, he's not here. He ain't in here. But I'm going to offer you the invitation. Go ahead, come on and see. Come see that he has risen. Come see that he got up just like he said he would. What's interesting to me, and this is what caught me, it caught me just this week. I don't know how many times I've preached on Easter. I don't know how many times I've read this pastor passage, and it hit me just this week that the angel is inviting them. He's extending them an invitation to Jesus not to come and see what he's about to do, but to come see what he already did. He already did it. It's not like they got there and the stone just rolled away and he was like, ah, 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 back up, wait, wait for it. Here it comes. No, 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 it's coming. Hold on. Wait on your miracle, child. Wait, wait, wait. He already did it. He already did it. He already got up. He's no longer in that dead circumstance that you keep waiting on him in. He's ahead of you. He already did it. He already got up. He's not here. He's not still trying to figure out. And he's not waiting on you to work it out. Jesus has already done it. He's already ahead of you. Reason number two we have reason to have hope this morning is because Jesus has gone ahead of us. He's already done it. How often do we look at our dead situations and wonder, God, where are you? How often do we look at the chains that are holding us down and we think, God, where you at, man? 
You said you'd never leave me, but it sure doesn't feel like you're next to me. Maybe we quote David, we go to the Psalms like we talked about a couple weeks ago, and we look up, how long will you hide your face from me? How long am I going to feel this way? How long am I going to have to deal with this grave? With all that I'm surrounded by, all that has kept me, kept me in my heart in chains, all that has no longer allowed me to move forward. How long, God, until you answer me? And maybe we start to hang our head because we think he's going to be in our shoes. And we're like, God, I just don't know when you're going to show up, man. I just don't know. I've been waiting on you so long that when I first started hanging my head, these shoes weren't even creased. Now look what this dead world has done to me, Jesus. But church, you're going to be waiting a really long time because he's not there anymore. He's not in that thing that's got you caught up. He's not in that thing that's got you buried. He's not in that thing that's keeping your faith dead. He's already ahead of you. It says he's preparing a way. And, but, but he didn't just leave you. He's not ahead of you like, good luck. He's ahead of you calling you. Come on. Come out. Take off those grave clothes. Get up out your sleep. Wake up from your drunken stupor. Let's go. I'm preparing the way for you. I've already got it figured out. And what's over here is better. It's better than over there. Leave it behind. Leave it alone. Come over here with me. I've been preparing this way for you for a real long time. You ain't waiting on me, son. I'm waiting on you. Get up out that grave. Stop being so comfortable in those grave clothes. They stink. I'm tired of covering up for you. Let's go. Come with me. Get out of the grave. God is not sitting in a corner in the room that you've built for your despair. When you come to a point of genuine faith in him, you realize that he's already gone. He's already gone ahead of you. And he's already worked out a way for you to be redeemed. He's already worked out the details. He ain't tripped up about this movie. He's eight movies ahead. Talking about wait till you see how it plays out, though. He's already ahead. And he's beckoning you forward toward him because he knows what he's prepared for you is far greater than anything within your reach in that grave. What death is the Lord calling you out of right now? What death have you been in for far too long? What death are you just waiting Wondering when God will do something only to realize that he's already been ahead of you and he's waiting on you to catch up to him for your redemption. Yes, sir. One of the most beautiful aspects of the resurrection of Christ is that when you come to faith in Jesus, he raises you out of your grave to a new life he's been preparing for you. That's beautiful. And if you've really been through something, you know how wild that is. Now, I know, I know some of you have already responded. Some of you are like, I know, that's my testimony. Well, praise God. And you're like, that might be my testimony, but pastor, that feels real exclusive. That feels real exclusive. What about everything else? You came in here this morning not worried about your own depravity, your own wretchedness, your own shoddy and shadiness, 
but you're caught up with the situation of those that are around you. You're like, God, what about the rest of the world, man? Don't you know people are hungry? Don't you know people are dropping dead? Don't you know that this stuff is going on? And this is where I included that last part of Matthew 28 for a reason. When you jump ahead, you know, when the disciples finally caught up to where Jesus was, when they stopped expecting to see him in a dead situation, and they were like, oh, he's over here now. Okay, let's go. And they finally get there. We jump to that part. Imagine the expectation you have. He said he's in Galilee. Let's go, man. We're going to get there. He's going to take us to this kingdom he'd been talking about. Remember that time he said that, that, that we had riches we didn't even know about? I bet we're going to see it. Remember that time he said there'd be no more sorrow, there'd be no more pain, no more mourning? I bet, I bet we're done with it right now. This road right here might be the last time we feel this pain. I bet he's about to take us up. Beat me up, Jesus. I bet we're about to find out right now. And they get there and they see Jesus and he begins his speech. He said, all authority yeah. has been given to me. Yes. Has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Oh, let's go. It's lit. Therefore, go. What? With you? No, not quite. Go out into the world. You talking about the world we're trying to escape? Yep, that one. Go into the world. Make disciples. Not just of the people that you like. Not just the people who talk like you. Not just the people who look like you. But of who? Of every nation. Dang. It's a lot of nations I don't even know about yet. It, it is. And that's where I'm sending you. I'm sending you the third reason we have to have hope in Jesus this morning, even in the mess that our world is in, is because he is sending you. Jesus did not raise with the intent to abandon the rest of the world, but to send those of us who have received this light into the world. The good news of the gospel is that the hope of salvation is no longer exclusive to a specific heritage. It's no longer exclusive to a small following of people who got it. It's no longer exclusive to a specific time or place because the Lord in his infinite wisdom and creativity has spread his hope by sending his people into every part of society. The Lord sees and knows very well, even better than you and me, the condition of our city. He sees it. He knows that children in our city are hungry. He knows that. He knows how many people we've lost to violent crime in our streets. He knows that. He knows about a generation who's walking our very neighborhoods that has no regard for anything before them or whatever authority on earth might be exerted over them. He knows that. He knows about the cries of injustice. He knows the crooked and corrupt things that are going on. He knows how our systems are failing us. He knows that education is not equitable. He knows all of this that is going on in our city and he's sending you. He's sending you. 
But a whole lot of us, y'all should have known better. You know me well enough. You should have known better than to think I was going to be encouraging the whole time. You should have known better. You should have known I had to slide one challenge in there. See, because too many of us have been abdicating the authority we've been given. We've been abdicating the authority to stay amongst the sanctified. We've been abdicating our authority to, ta- to stay amongst the seasoned, sa- sa- seasoned saints who get it when we talk the way that we talk. We've been abdicating our authority to stay comfortable where it's okay if I pray out loud. We've been abdicating our authority so that we can stay amongst friends who get it that I'm struggling, but I still love Jesus. We've been abdicating our authority who won't look at us weird when you're like, I've really been praying through some stuff. We've been abdicating our authority by staying amongst the sanctified saints. We've been abdicating our authority by only circulating good words amongst ourselves. Man, check this one out. This is a whole word. This pastor's lit. And I know some of you are like, man, you really just hate TikTok preachers. No, I don't. I just know who they're for. And can I tell you something, season saints? They're not for you. These six second clips are not for you. Move on from milk. You've been given steak. The milk isn't from you. They're for my babies. The milk is for the infants. The milk is for those that don't know. Stop sliding in other Christians' DMs with good words and maybe send it to your lost friends, your broken friends, the people who don't know Jesus. Like, man, I just thought you might want a word of encouragement today. But we want to stay comfortable. But we're not meant to. If we were meant to be comfortable, Jesus would have been like, yep, let's just go ahead and take you up right now. But he's not. He's sending you. He's sending you into the very world that you witness is broken. He's sending you into the very world that you witness has problems. The hope that we receive can no longer be sat on, so stop it. Jesus' intent in appearing resurrected was to send little lights into brighter ones? No. Into darkness. His intent of the resurrection was to see how many little lights he could gather in one place at one time and stay together? No. Jesus' intent in resurrecting was to send hundreds, dozens, thousands, millions of little lights out into all the darkness that overwhelms us on the daily. And to share the hope that you've been given. The hope that you've responded to the hope that you have and that the world needs. Church, what I'm trying to say is we don't need to be afraid. He knows what's going on. He knows what's deep down. He knows what's happening, and he's not asking you to fix it. He's not asking you to hide it. He's asking you to seek him because he's already ahead of the situation. He wasn't shocked when it happened. He already had a plan. He's ready to restore you. He's ready to redeem you. He's ready to take what you thought was going to be the curse of your life. He's ready to make it a blessing, not just for you, but for a whole lot of folks. He's ready to take 
that little bit of darkness, that whole lot of something that's kept you caught up. And he's ready to send it back out into the world, this time as light to share hope. The Lord has prepared our path for hope and redemption. And if you have not responded to that this morning or you have not responded to it recently in so many ways, don't let today pass you by. Don't let this be the Resurrection Sunday that you remember that church that I was at. The dude was wearing orange shoes. But outside of that, that's the only thing significant that I mean. Go talk to Jesus. Answer his call. Because he's been on the line. He's been waiting for you. Don't let this be the day. If you have not responded to his hope, don't let this be the day that slips by. Thinking about what was lost or what you're going to do later. Let this be the day that your life was changed because you answered a call. Because his intent for you is not to leave you. His intent for you, unlike everybody else, is not to abandon you. His intent for you, unlike the narrative that the rest of the world wants you to believe, is not to leave you alone. His intent for you is to give you light, to give you life, to see you walk out of that grave, to see you walk out of that depression. To see you walk out of that holding cell, restored, ready to share hope. The only question I have for you, as the worship team comes back up, we move into a time of response. The only question I have for you is will you take this hope with you? Will you take it with you? When you leave here today, and you go throughout the rest of your schedule, will you take hope with you? When you go back to work tomorrow and you got to face those people that, ugh, they've just been on one lately, will you take hope with you? When you come home after a long, exhausting day and all your children want is a a little bit of attention and you don't know if you got the patience left in you to give, will you take hope with you? When you continue to contemplate and process all that's going on around you, will you take hope with you? As you listen to the narrative of what's happening in our city, will you take hope with you as you go into these polls a couple months from now? Because I don't know if you've seen signs popping up, but it's a really big election going on. When you go into the booth, will you take hope with you? When you go into all these broken situations, will you take hope with you? Because that is what you have been given authority to to do. That is what this resurrection means. That hope is accessible and it's not just for you to click a thumbs up on or click the heart emoji on. It's for you to have and to take with you. Will you take hope with you? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your resurrection. We thank you for all of the ways that you bring death to life. We thank you that in the midst of circumstances that have got us stuck, that have got us caught up, that have got us weighed down, you call us out and back to new life. And God, we want desperately to be a part of that kingdom that you cast vision for. To be a part of that kingdom that says the enemy can't get you anymore. Death has been defeated. 
Sickness is a thing of the past. Sadness is a thing of the past. Trauma, anxiety, depression, it's a thing of the past. We want so badly to be in that kingdom and we know that you call us there. And so Lord, as we answer the call and we move every day closer and closer to that kingdom that you had Jesus come tell us about, we pray that you give us the strength to see it through. We pray that you give us the encouragement to know that some days are tougher than others, but that doesn't mean the plan has changed. God, we pray that you would give us the patience when we know that you have strength to move these barriers in front of us, but this one just seems a little bit more stubborn. God, we pray for the wisdom that when we're in the midst of darkness, we don't just hide our light, but the wisdom to know that maybe we're in that dark place because I carry the hope that needs to be sent to that dark place. I carry the hope and the authority with me to turn this around, to see this go from a grave to a church. God, we pray. We pray that you would grant us the endurance it takes to follow you because it ain't easy. But we know that on the path that you marked out is no more temptation by evil because it's deliverance from evil. We pray these things. In Jesus' name, all who believe say, bless up.